Uh, you on the panel are in Z National 24 away from 5 with Sally Winley and Andy McCombs and enjoying your company. To this, there are many New Zealanders who can't donate blood because they lived in the UK during the mad cow disease epidemic 1980 to 1996. Australia lifted the ban in July of last year and there are calls to lift the ban in Aotearoa. Now, whenever we talk about uh, giving blood, this inevitably comes up and we get a flurry of texts saying, look, I can't give blood and it is not fair. So with us to discuss is Professor Michael Baker. Professor Baker, kia ora. Kia ora, wala. Good to have you on. And you think the risk is now low enough that these people could actually donate blood now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a good news story. And because this is such a horrible disease, CJD, and because there's no way of testing for it in blood, people took a very cautious approach in the uh, 90s and and, uh, thereafter because of the risk of uh, transmission of BSE from cows to humans for eating meat. And there have been over 200 human cases. That's not a a large number. But the last case was in 2019, and there have only been three cases ever transmitted through blood. Right. This is the approach that the countries took. Yeah, this is interesting. Stay there, uh, Michael, and maybe just sort of turn your head just a little bit to the left or the right so we can get a slightly clearer image. But let's bring you in, Sally, because am I right? You you covered this first time around when this broke. Yes, I was a journalist here at Radio New Zealand and did a lot of health reporting. And I remember we had a big media conference at the Auckland Hospital. And um, gosh, it was it was interesting. And we all learned a lot. And yeah. um, that was a long time ago. And um I see that the incubation period um, for the disease is thought to be around 10 years. So, Professor Baker, why do you think we've taken so long Mm. to potentially let people keep donating blood? Yeah, I think one of the problems is it's very hard when risks are extremely low and everyone wants the blood to be perfectly safe. And, of course, it never has been. I mean, it's a medical procedure getting blood transfusions. So there's always been some degree of risk. But this risk now is so low uh, that, really, this is not a, a problem we need to worry about. Uh, and I think there's, the systems, obviously, are quite slow at removing controls. It's much, hard, much easier to introduce them, and it's quite hard to take them away. Yeah, let's bring in Andy, Andy McCombs. Yeah, that was a really good point about um, easy to bring in, but... Um, as a as a gay man, I can't give blood either. Um, the my my main question would be is is all of the blood that is taken from our New Zealand blood services tested, or is it um, like random batch? How, how does that happen? Well, for this particular problem, there is no test available. I mean, these prion diseases are remarkable. It's just a different form of a protein, uh, so. Whether you even regard it as alive is hard to say, but it is transmissible. That's the problem. Uh, and it's an awful disease. There's no cure, and most people die within one to two years. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's been one of these dread diseases and why um, I think the um, control was introduced so quickly, and it's taken a while to take it away again. So how many people do you think are affected by this? Uh, there's allegedly shortages of blood supply. Is that the case? And what difference would it make 
to the blood supply when this restriction is removed? I think the estimate was that when it was introduced, about 10% of donors were told they couldn't give blood anymore. And I think also a lot of people had a vague idea, if I lived in the UK or even Europe or Ireland in that period, I can never give blood. And in fact, it was only a particular window of time. And really, um, I think that outbreak is gone. The outbreak went quite quickly in in cows, BSE, and then the outbreak is now gone in humans. So um, the the risk is really not uh, important anymore. But I think it has had a slightly chilling effect on blood donations that hopefully can be listed very soon. Yes, and there seems to be a sense of, uh, I won't say elation, but real positivity around this from people who want to give blood, uh, Dr Baker. For example, finally, it seems crazy I can't give blood. feels like a million years ago since I lived there. And when it comes up, there's always someone else affected, so there must be a few of us. Libby says, my daughter was in the UK at the time. She's a vegetarian, but still uh, can't give blood. And that's, I guess that's the issue, isn't it, um, uh, Michael, that uh, the blood donation service they need tens of thousands of more donors to meet demand. Um, here is another um, supply of blood that um, could help meet that need. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's a very good news story, and I just think we need to act quickly to remove this um, really unnecessary barrier. And other countries have Australia and, and the US, for instance. So just finally, so the blood service, they've made a submission to MedSafe recommending the ban to be lifted. What's the, what's the next step in this? Well, I think it's, it's largely a regulatory step of approving that change. And then I think just advertising very widely um, come back, you know, you're missing out on that cup of tea and the free biscuit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, very good to have you on. That's Professor Michael Baker uh, to talk about that issue. So uh, hopefully that's some good news for those who have always wanted to, Sally, to give blood but uh, haven't been able to. But uh, it's, a, it's such a reminder you talking to me about reporting it when it first happened. It was such a big story, wasn't it? Oh, it was. And the horrific, well, it was awful to see the footage of the cattle that yeah, had right. made cow's disease and staggering around and, oh, it was, um, boy, it just took the world by storm and it actually, I think, put people off donating blood full stop. That's right. Mm. And so there was, yeah, many repercussions from it. No. But there was never a case in New Zealand. It was just people who had been living in the UK who were from New Zealand. That's right. And so yes. some, there yeah. was a bit of confusion whether it had got here. Now, before we get into our next topic, uh, and just uh, a minute's time, just a chance for a bit of feedback, and what have you been interested? Well, we have had a run of feedback regarding Andy's I've Been Thinking, which is uh, he thinks he sh- the national anthem should be changed. And you're and, a bit controversial. And, and, and one here, oh my gosh, I completely agree that God Defend New Zealand is a terrible national anthem for a secular country this year. I hate going to school assemblies just because I don't want to have to listen to and worse stand for that outdated prayer. My kids hate it and feel discriminated against having to pray in a secular public school. Make this an election issue. Well, I'm not going to make an election issue, but I'm just raising the uh, the point. Uh, my choice for National Anthem is Pokerikariana. When I was overseas mm. and Hayley Westenra came on the tally singing this beautiful song, the goosebumps rose on my neck. But the main issue is the one 
with the highbrow singers, they get to sing it, and the trills they often add. If it's to be played at a public event, get a brass band and put the words up on a screen <laughs> and get the audience to sing it, not some boring soloist. Thank you for that. You're on I the panel. Agree. Yeah. 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 Uh, the panel are NZ National, Andy McCombs, Sally Wenley. And to this, former President Donald J. Trump was booked at an Atlanta jail today, whisked to the Fulton County Jail, notorious facility often name-checked in hip-hop lyrics. Trump, fingerprinted and photographed like other people accused of state crimes and released on bond. The first ever mugshot for a former American president. And that image has been shared around the world. As Anderson Cooper put it on CNN, the former president of the United States has an inmate number, P01135809, to be exact. And Trump, he is unrepentant. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it. With us is Associate Professor Scott Optican from the Faculty of Law at the University of Auckland. Scott, kia ora. Hello. Have you seen the mugshot? I have. What do you make of it? Well, I mean, I think he's he's scowling. He's doing it on purpose. I did a little research on this, and apparently... Uh, according to the New York Times, when he did his photo shoot for the official White House photo before he became president, he scowled at the camera because he thought it made him look like Churchill. So <laughs> I think that that's the idea here. And as a matter of fact, it's already shown up on his website uh, on a T-shirt for $47. And <laughs> under the photo, it says never surrender, which, of course, is a, uh, uh, you know, it's a shout out to Churchill's famous you know speech in World War II. So I think that's probably what uh, the genesis of all this is. I mean, I think he just he thinks it makes him look Churchillian at some point and wanted to put it on a T-shirt with the words never surrender on it to make forty seven dollars uh, in donation. But I can't believe it didn't do it on purpose. Um, let's 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 put it that way. And he's already fundraising off of it and, uh, and using it. So that's what Donald Trump does. You know, instead of being ashamed about this sort of thing, his superpower is he leans right into it um, and his base eats it up. Yes, I was thinking about that. The first word I came to mind, my producer said, what's the word that comes to mind? I, I thought it was that word defiance, but actually when I see the Churchill um, comparison, that is interesting. But what is also interesting, Scott, is the others who had their mugshots taken, for example, um, is it Mark Meadows, also Giuliani, they're all smiling um, because they're saying, look, they're, they're, they're owning the process of the mugshot because usually in a mugshot you scowl. Yes. Yeah, like I said, they're leaning into it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think and this is and this is what they're doing. I mean, Giuliani, you know, ironically was a, a top, you know, criminal RICO prosecutor uh, in New York, actually, when I was sort of working there back in the day. And uh, now he's a RICO defendant in the case. But I mean, the whole the whole defense that all of these all of them really have in one form or another is that this is just all political. They were just engaging in, you know, zealous lawyering, political speech you know, doing what any American can do to challenge the results of, of an election. And so they're leaning into these prosecutions as as if they're political prisoners. Um, that's kind of the vibe that they're, you know, that they're putting out. Sally. Are you going to buy the T-shirt? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely not. <laughs> and I'll tell you one thing. I'm if pretty old says, it's, it's, it, says, it, says, it says on the ad, because I'm actually looking at it right now, it says, make a contribution of $47 and you'll get a free T-shirt. 
Well, if something is forty-seven dollars, it's not a free T-shirt. So again, this is it's a it's a it's a good example of the way you know Trump always likes to to play with the truth. But abs- no, absolutely not. I'm I'm going to spend my money on something else. Andy, I wrote down two notes about this on my walk here, and one of them was um, the devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for an election to steal, um, mm. and the second one was that he marked his hair color as strawberry blonde, and I just think that's hilarious. Strawberry yeah, there's some, def- there's some definite resonances there, yeah, with popular <laughs> culture, no, no doubt about it. And reading the media reports, he did this when he'd get the maximum amount of coverage, the highest yep. number of journalists, when all yep. the news channels were going to air. It's nothing but free publicity, is it? And I think he yeah, live-streamed it is. It the, is. the drive there as well, like, the yeah. Scott? Yeah, you know, it, it, it is. Like I said, you know, this is this is what Trump does. I mean, instead of, you know, instead of being ashamed of this and, and trying to handle it, you know, and quietly in a way that that people would who sort of feel ashamed of their conduct or are worried about being convicted. He's always done just the opposite. He leans into it. He turns it hmm. into a political asset. And like I said, his base heats it up. Now, here's the problem. Making something a political asset like this doesn't help you when you're actually in a court of law. Um, and this all looks pretty good at the moment to his base and for the media. I don't think it helps him in a general election where he's going to need a lot more than his right. base to win. Uh, and second of all, it won't help him in a court of law where these theatrics just don't fly. Yeah. So what you're going to have now in the next coming weeks and, and months is all of the important legal stuff that shapes the case, sets trial dates and whatnot. And I think you're going to see a lot of these theatrics uh, really go out the window and a very different Donald Trump mm. when he's sitting in court facing facts and laws and very good lawyers who are extremely well prepared, uh, you know, to bring these criminal charges against them. In what I would like to point out are four separate cases, two federal and two state. Yes, the the fourth the fourth time in five months that Trump has been arrested by after being indicted by prosecutors. What makes what makes his arrest in Georgia um, so different? If it is, I mean, the the, the state prosecutor there. Um, uh, I mean, she seems really uh, invested in this. Has been working months, many months on this particular case. Yeah, they've been they've been they've been working on it um, for a little longer than Jack Smith was in the federal cases. I mean, the main difference is the main difference is uh, with the other cases, Trump is either the sole defendant or there's two more with him um, in the Mar-a-Lago documents case. In the January 6th case, he's a sole defendant and uh, and kind of like and likewise uh, in the New York case. Um, In this case, there are 19 co-defendants. Um, and the reason there are 19 co-defendants is that this is what they call a RICO case. It's basically a big conspiracy case that all these 19 people you know, kind of got together to do various different things to overturn the election, even if they didn't all know what each other was doing. So that's the main difference in this case, that there are so many co-defendants and so many charges. And that, by the way, is going to create quite a few complications in this case going forward. You know, it, it, it already has. So that's one main difference. The other main difference, of course, is that this is a state case and not a federal case. So it's brought by state prosecutors and state courts with a state jury. And if, God forbid, he becomes president again uh, and decides to pardon himself for any convictions in the federal cases, this case will go forward and this case will stand because state cases just aren't subject to the pardon jurisdiction or to the Department of Justice. So even if he named the next attorney general, you know, th- this case would arguably no. still still go forward. Right, briefly, Sally. If they are convicted, I mean, can they appeal and mm. then can it drag on and as the election gets near? Could, could it jeopardise the whole next election for the president? 
I mean, you know, the, 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 you have to ask yourself the question whether any criminal convictions would jeopardize an election for anybody. And I think the answer to that is yes. If he's acquitted, it could help his chances. Um, can they appeal? Sure, absolutely. You know, the processes of justice tend to grind kind of slowly. That's why the trial dates uh, in these cases are the important thing to watch. You know, we're, we're going to find out in the next couple of months next month or so maybe, when all the trial dates are and how they sequence with each other. Because the sooner these cases get to trial to resolve these kind of questions and give the voters the information they need, you know, in my opinion, the better. Very good to have you on, Scott. Kia ora. Thank you again. That's Associate Professor Scott Optikin uh, from the Faculty of Law at the University of Auckland. If you have not seen uh, Donald Trump's mugshot uh, with the blonde or strawberry hair, height six foot three inches, weight 215 pounds, uh, with an inmate number, uh, you will soon. It's uh, going around the world. Andy McCombs and Sally Winley on Friday, and thank you again for listening to the panel. Friday Fundy, it is a new feature where we support grassroots community initiatives. And today, a charity called Music Helps. They support a wide variety of music therapy programs for those with dementia, for example, or mental well-being issues and emergency assistance to thousands of music people experiencing hardship. Well, something pretty big happened. Country music star Luke Combs, and he is a star, a multi-platinum artist, his Spark Arena show sold out in minutes, nominated Best Country Album at the Grammys this year, Willie Nelson won it, well Luke Combs, he has donated a signed guitar to this New Zealand charity, and with us is Damien Vaughan, one of the trustees of Music Helps. Damien, good to have you here. Kia ora, how are you? Good. How did this come about? Uh, well, it happened on the day of the concert last week. Uh, the record label rang me up and said, hey, we've got a guitar he wants to give to a charity uh, locally. He's doing it all around the world on his tour. And um, he chose Music Helps because of what we do, specifically in the music community with music, yeah, helping lots of things in the music community that are doing great things to help and heal others. So, yeah, he was uh, he was keen. So uh, we signed, signed a guitar and we're, away we go. Uh, That's, so pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, you can see him. He does stuff where he plays with Ed Sheeran and the likes of um, this sort of thing. That's going to provide a bunch, bump to this charity, Sally. Oh, it sounds oh, great. Hey, um, what sort of price do you think you might get for the guitar? Oh, hundreds of thousands, hopefully. No. <laughs> 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 well, here's hoping. It's on trade me under Luke Combs. Uh, for a guitar for charity for music helps, but uh, look, I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, we're very grateful for the support, yeah. and um, given the nature of what we do with music and organisations using music to help and heal others, it's um, it's great that we have some international people coming through that uh, recognise what we do locally uh, yes. and, and equivalent uh, and overseas that do the same thing. So it was, it was nice to be acknowledged in that way. We, we certainly have had previous. Um, uh, uh, international come through and, and also do that too, but this is great. It's so uh, high profile and uh, it's cool to, cool to do it so recent after the gig. Yeah, Andy? Yeah, um, I was just reading the, the press release. It's really lovely. Um, in, in other times, um, how, do you, how would you normally fundraise? Um, is there a website people can head to to donate instruments or, or money or anything? It's... Um Oh, yes, yeah, sure, yeah, musichelps.org.nz uh, is the, the charity. Uh, we've been going since 2012, uh, and we do a variety of things throughout the year to, to raise funds, uh, then to distribute to others. Um, we work on a basis of providing small grants to other 
organizations and projects, really small things throughout the country and all up and down the country, um, from you know a pe- music therapists working in uh, hospices or pe- uh, with the kids with disabilities um, or even in schools uh, and in prisons, uh, community groups right up, up and down the country. So yeah, musichelps.org.nz. Uh, is where you can learn more, but you can also people, donate there too. Um, Damien, people want to know what sort of guitar it is? Uh, it is an Epiphone acoustic guitar. Uh, and if you look on Trade Me, you'll be able to see images of it there, so you can see it. And um, a sign on the front on the pick on the, on the pick guard, yeah. That's on the pick guard, that's yeah, right. Sally. So your charity, can you elaborate what exactly it does? So... Do you play the music or do they play the use instruments? What happens? No, what we do is we provide small grants to individuals or projects up and down the country that are using music as in music therapy. So there's trained music therapists that go into community groups or offer those um, that music therapy program, which is basically a support kind of process, therapeutic kind of tools that uh, ease... Um, might be disabi- children with disabilities or, or people at end of life uh, in hospices uh, who are going through some challenges where music's that kind of comforting tool uh, and can provide support. And there's lots of studies that prove that it's um, music is a fantastic tool to mm. ease those troubles. Uh, so we support uh, groups and organisations throughout the country, about 30 or 40 different groups a year. We provide grants up to, you know, could be between five to 10,000 each time, and we do that um, yeah, to 30 or 40 projects each year, which has impacted about 80,000 people over the term well, of our existence yeah. as a charity, so it well, does make an impact. Well done, Damien, but can I just say, um, probably as a huge music lover yourself, uh, you better close your ears. Sure. Because we've got some Richard Marks coming up. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but... Uh, well. All the best. All the best for the guitar. Yeah, Uh, Luke Combs donated a signed guitar to this charity, uh, and it's uh, called Music Helps. Go on Traby and have a look. Bit of Richard Marks here. Andy, did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've not listened to to Luke Combs enough to know um, who he is. No, the show. Did you enjoy the panel? Yes, of course. I do every day, 3.45 till 5. We'll get you back. Andy McCombs, (laughs) Sally Winley. Can we choose the ballad next time, please? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe a a female musician next time. I'll have a think about about it. Anyway, Lisa Owen and Checkboy next. Big thank you to my producer, Ayana, for producing the shows. I am Wallace Chairman. I am back on Monday. As you know, 3.45. When those horns hit.